Hello and good afternoon, good evening, good day, whatever time it is, wherever you may be. Welcome to another episode of Yes, That Really Did Happen. Today we're going to go a little off track from where we have been. We're going to talk about two people and how they stopped nuclear war. This came to me this week as we were listening to the news and watching the news and hearing all of this talk about putting a pause on the development of AI and how scared everybody is now of artificial intelligence. And that got me thinking. Some of the best movies made during the Cold War had to do with artificial intelligence. Dr. Strangelove, or so... I can never say this one right. Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right, so, Dr. Strangelove. That was about a mythical doomsday device that if a nuclear weapon went off, it immediately retaliated against everybody. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Artificial intelligence gone awry kills the entire crew because they cannot fulfill the mission like the computer can. War games. Humans are unreliable and are not predisposed to destroy the entire Earth. So therefore we must replace humans with a computer to launch our nuclear missiles. And that brings us to today's topic. Thinking about War Games, one of my favorite movies from the 1980s, by the way. But thinking about War Games, and knowing that there were certain things that was based upon fact when it comes to War Games. And one of them was, is, for that matter, the fact that, for the most part, humans do not want to use nuclear weapons. They don't. They just want to be part of humanity and not destroy the entire world. There are still nuclear weapons out there. Obviously, we're not going to get into all of that. But let's look at two Soviets that stopped, essentially, the world from ending. So first thing, we're, first one we're going to talk about is Vasily, and I don't know if I can say this last name, Vasily Arkhabev, Arkhibiv? A-R-K-H-I-P-O-V, if you're looking that up at home. He was a Soviet naval officer on a submarine during the Cuban Missile Crisis. The Cuban Missile Crisis was the closest we ever came to all-out nuclear war. And there was a lot of posturing going on. If you ever saw the movie Hunt for Red October, where they're talking about 
your ships and our ships. Things could go wrong. This is what was actually going on in October of 1962. Our ships were patrolling and harassing the Soviet ships who were trying to deliver nuclear weapons to Cuba because the Soviet ICBMs were unreliable so they wanted to put missiles on Cuba that could reach the U.S. mainland because they didn't have anything that could reliably reach the U.S. mainland in 1962. Basically, the U.S. had missiles that could reach Moscow from the United States and they looked at all of Europe as, well, expendable. Um, the U.S. would be okay, Europe would be uninhabitable, and the Soviets would be gone. That was the theory overriding at the time. This is what sparked the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, during this time, the U.S. puts up a naval blockade of Cuba to block the missiles from coming in. And there were various submarines from the Soviet Union trying to get through the blockade. The destroyers uh, in this particular place, um, there were 11 of them, they were detecting these submarines. And the Navy, in their infinite wisdom, in this highly, highly charged time period, started dropping signaling depth charges. Now, what signaling depth charges are, anybody who's seen a submarine movie knows what a depth charge is. It falls down to a certain depth and it blows up and it could kill the sub. Well, signaling depth charges are the non-deadly depth charges where they drop them and then they send a signal basically to the sub saying, if we were serious, you'd be dead. That is what signaling depth charges are. So this was really causing these submarines to say they were under attack. They were thought they were. Essentially, they were under attack. They were just on a, under attack with non-lethal force. So, the submarines carried a nuclear torpedo. And the nuclear torpedo could take out an entire carrier group, which is what was on there. It was a carrier group of the USS Randolph and 11 destroyers. And the crew aboard this submarine thought that this would be a reasonable response to the dropping of these signaling depth charges to the Soviet submarine the response is, well, let's launch a nuclear-tipped torpedo at the carrier and blow it to smithereens. At the time, Soviet submarines required three. Unlike American command and control, 
they required three rather than two officers to agree to launch quote-unquote special weapons special weapons are nuclear weapons that's just what they were referred to three men were the captain the political officer and the executive officer the captain and the political officer they were for the launch the executive officer Vasily was against the launch they decided you couldn't do it needed all three and the missile was not launched a missile a nuclear tipped torpedo was not launched and quite frankly nuclear war was avoided because of it if we had used the had been attacked and the united states had been attacked by a nuclear torpedo against the united states navy it would have been bad it would have caused more than likely a major nuclear response destroying most of the northern hemisphere i mean just plain out destroy half of the northern hemisphere after all the dust had settled from the cuban missile crisis and the various other things uh going on in the world the u.s national security and the soviet navy recognized vasily as a hero who avoided nuclear war because the computer wasn't in charge people were and people in general don't want to drop nuclear weapons on other people that was in 1962 let's fast forward 20 years 21 years actually to september of 63 i'm sorry (laughs) that would be a year no this is september of 1983 okay so this is at another point in time when tensions were very tight between the united states and the soviet union uh reagan was in the white house and you know we know how reagan was um and this was shortly after the accidental downing of korean airlines flight 007 where the soviets thought a korean airlines 747 was a spy plane and shot it down killing everybody on board so there was this um officer in the soviet air defense forces um by the name of stanislav petrov and he was on duty at the command center for the early warning system now those of you who remember the 80s i'm not sure how many of you listening do those of you who remember the 80s remember the song 99 red balloons 
and how the whole purpose of that song is bugs in the software say something's out there. We're being attacked because they released 99 balloons and it looked like a nuclear invasion launch. Well, that actually did happen. So this early warning system um, was a system that detected launches of missiles. Um, and Stanislav Petrov, who was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Defense Force, was on duty near Moscow. And the early warning satellites started going off. And it said that several inbound missiles had been detected. Now, the Soviet Union's official strategy was an immediate and compulsory nuclear counterattack against the United States, known as Launch On Warning. Okay, and it was part of the doctrine of mutual assured destruction. You launch your missiles, we'll launch ours, and they'll pass each other in the sky. That was policy, for lack of a better term. <laughs> it really was. It was just policy. So Petrov was watching it, and he considered the detection a computer error because it was too small. It indicated there was one intercontinental ballistic missile heading towards the Soviet Union from the United States. And in all his studies, in all the war games, all the various studies of how this war would go, a first strike nuclear attack by the United States would involve hundreds of simultaneous missile launches to disable all of the Soviet means of counterattack. Secondly, the systems, the satellites have not been reliable in the past. So Petrov dismissed the warning as a false alarm and did not notify his superiors. He concluded the computer detections were false and no missile had been launched. He decided that the system was malfunctioning and that was confirmed when no missile arrived. Later on, the same computer identified four additional missiles in the air, all directed towards the Soviet Union. Again, he suspected the computer system was malfunctioning. The land radar could not detect missiles beyond the horizon. And what they figured out after investigation was that sunlight reflecting off of high-altitude clouds made the satellite see the clouds as <laughs> nuclear missiles. And so he explained his reasoning to his decision not to alert superiors and launch missiles and destroy the world. He cited his belief that and his training that any U.S. first strike would be massive. So five missiles seemed like an illogical start. In addition, the launch detection system was new, and in his opinion, not trustworthy. Ground radar did not pick up additional missile launches or the missiles in flight. Now, this is what made him think it was a false alarm. Now, you may be thinking, hmm, 
ground radar. What kind of ground radar would pick that up? As we all know uh, from our history, there was this large nuclear power plant out in the Ukraine called Chernobyl. Now, what was Chernobyl doing out there? Why did they have this massive nuclear power plant out there? It's kind of far away from everything. Well, its primary job was to power something called the woodpecker. Now, the woodpecker was the U.S. name for it, and it was an early warning system. This huge, huge radar array that stood, I believe it was about seven stories tall, and was there to detect missiles. And it was called the woodpecker because if you were a ham radio operator and you hit the right frequency, it sounded like there was a woodpecker pecking on the radio. That's what it sounded like. And it was its early term, uh, early detection device. I think the worry about AI going too far is not founded. I think that in the end, there's plenty of evidence to know that human beings don't trust machines all that much. Thank you for listening. Now, were these the only nuclear close calls during the entire Cold War? Certainly not. There were various other times when early warning systems failed. And those are pretty easy to research. Just look up nuclear close calls. And uh, honestly... It is a fascinating subject. What you see in the movies is not science fiction. There really is a doomsday device talked about in Dr. Strangelove. There really were computers trying to take over the role of man and launching the nukes, like in war games. All of this stuff really did happen despite it being things of science fiction and things of movies from the Cold War era. This is a little bit unusual topic for me on here, um, but as you can tell by the previous podcasts, I like to jump around and kind of be all over the place. So I hope you find this interesting, and uh, I hope you listen more and tune into my next episode where we discuss something strange that really did happen. Thank you, and have a great day.